Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know, every fourth Saturday, we get to chat with Glenn Burroughs. Glenn mm-hmm. is a family history expert and tour guide and owner of Norfolk Tours in East Anglia, England. And you can go to his website, norfolk-tours.co.uk, and also read his articles on blendradioandtv.com. And today, you know what? It's Memorial Weekend. But, you know, this is a subject that I don't mm-hmm. think it should just always be Memorial Day weekend. Um, something we can talk about always, uh, is military history. And today is going to mm. talk about World War II airfields, but they're USA airfields in Norfolk, England. So welcome back, Glenn. How are you? Oh, fantastic here. We've we've had a bit of rain, but it's lovely over here. It's that oh. time of year. That's just gorgeous. Well, green. Exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's we green. are so green over here at the moment. It's untrue. It's yeah, so this is a good nice. time of year to visit airfields. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, actually, a lot of airfields are now farms. So oh. when you go on, onto the airfield, if you get permission, which obviously I can I can sort out, you, you're obviously in the middle of a farm. So oh. this, this time of the year, there's a lot of um, early growth corn. So the corn is about that high. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about, um, you know, wheat, barley, cereals. And mm-hmm. there's also a lot of rape. Um, I think you call it canola. Yeah, canola. Yeah. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. The be- beautiful yellow. I mean, the yellow in the countryside at the moment is just amazing. All the rape wow. fields. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, so yeah. Wow. Lovely time. Lovely time. And also, um, we're coming up to hay time. So um, a lot of airfields are covered in grass because, you know, it grows quite easily. Um, and this is the time of year that they're making hay. So you see a lot of hay, hay fields as well. So that's it's lovely to see all the activity on the farms. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Very, so have nice. you ever been out there baling hay? I mean, that's um, hard work. Well, uh, we don't we don't do that anymore. We have these great big machines that do the circular bales, like a great yeah. big like a great big sausage roll. Oh yeah, and you ah. can't you can't move them by hand. You have to have a forklift, or like a forklift truck on the front of a tractor, and you put mm. them onto the onto the trailers. I'll take some pictures because my son-in-law is a farmer and he does mm. hay, so I'll um I'll do a, I'll do an article on on. Hey, <laughs> but the, the only problem is it's not smelly vision. There is nothing nicer than the smell mm-hmm. of fresh mown hay. It's true. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, that's a true. But with any photos, you know, it's mm. like you don't get that other sense. Well, no, actually, you know what? I like the idea of you doing hay, but really, I think when I know we're getting into World War II history, but over here, it, you know, one of the biggest draws people do like in central California in certain areas is they want to, they go on farms and farm agritourism. So mm-hmm. I think we, I think our next conversation should be farm stays. Farm. I know you've got lots of bed and breakfast oh, on yeah. farms. Yeah, and so, definitely. yeah, farmers markets where you can shop for fresh produce. Mm-hmm. That's not in the box oh. store. You know what funny, I mean? Funny you should say that 
this Sunday now coming up, I'm actually by local Norfolk is going to have a big stand on one of the local farmers markets in uh, Raynham, Raynham Hall, which is a See? beautiful house. And we're going to be in the walled garden. Would you believe that? Oh, not a dog. We'll see those. I'll take some yeah. pictures. Yeah, oh, we like this. Pictures. We like this. Yeah, that'll so, be good to talk about. Because I know Norfolk, you have a lot of farms. You've got agriculture. You've got the coast, mm -hmm. right? So um, when you think of World War II, your positioning for America to come over to England and use you as a base to go over to Europe was pretty much like over to France and, and Germany. You yes. were kind of like the, the leaping. Like if you could think that Norfolk was like the little spring that like a little trampoline america yes. comes with their pilots jumps off and boings right over the pond exactly i mean when you look at a map of england you know you you see where we are and it it is so useful to get across to germany to holland and to that belgian coast um so mm -hmm. norfolk and suffolk were the the go-to place for airfields mm -hmm. also with norfolk and suffolk we are relatively flat. So the countryside was perfect for airfields. Mm. And, you know, it was, the position is fantastic because we're right on that east coast. And the 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 countryside was perfect as well because they didn't have to do any major earthworks to flatten the countryside to put airfields in. So, you know, it was wow. the perfect place. In wow. fact, if I, if I just change my background quickly Ooh. into oh. into that one you Ooh. can see where i am my little red dot mm -hmm. the the coast the coast to the right bottom corner is mm -hmm. germany and holland so from norfolk you're just going straight across the north sea into um into germany mm. so it was so wow Perfect. It, it, it makes perfect sense to do, but can you tell us a little bit about how and why America decided Norfolk? And it was was this part of like the allegiance of everyone getting together in World War II and saying we're gonna we're gonna nail him, you know, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna take take out Hitler and and everything that he's doing. Um, mm -hmm. But America decided, okay, we're we're aligning ourselves and merging with England on this. And England said, hey, we've got a good spot. Go to Norfolk. Um, well, you know, East, East Anglia that... was was the place that was the like you say the the trampoline the the jumping off point. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, soon as America came into Second World War, it needed a base to mm -hmm. base itself, and obviously England was where they needed to be because it was really useful for for Europe. Mm -hmm. But it, East Anglia was perfectly positioned, and. I mean, they did call Norfolk um, America's aircraft carrier because basically mm -hmm. we were a massive aircraft carrier. I mean, not only for the Americans, but the the English had their own mm -hmm. RAF stations as well. Right. And a lot of the the US AF bases were also shared with English ones as well. So although we've got a lot of English bases, we've got a lot of American bases, but we've also got some that had both. Because mm. once, once you've got an airfield, you, you had the runways and the 
all the administration all in place. So you shared it all, you know. Mm. So a lot of these bases were shared between America and England and well, and Australia, New Zealand, you know, when they came into the war, you know. So we we were absolutely inundated with people. I mean, I've, I've put in my article that at any time between 1942 and 1945, mm -hmm. there would have been at least 50,000 people, mm -hmm. American servicemen in Norfolk at any any one time. So sometimes um, in a couple of hundred thousand, but there was always around 50,000 American servicemen in Norfolk mm -hmm. during the second wow. Unbelievable. That's a lot. That's that a is lot. that is a lot of people. That's like a whole city. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you it could be its own town, like just for well, some the of the, some of these some of these airfields were in such a tiny village that the airfield became much much bigger than the village. You know, at, wow. the, at the time, you know, because you've suddenly got yeah. an influx of over a thousand people in a village that probably only had 200 people living in it mm, so you yeah can imagine you can imagine what impact mm. that had on the local population you know wow. you, you can imagine how good the pub publicans felt about it because <laughs> all of these people suddenly came in and had a glass of beer wow. yeah yeah well but it's like what you said i mean what about the accommodations for them i mean Suddenly you have to build these airfields and you gave a really good uh, list of who was actually using these airfields. So people doing their mm. family history can look at who these the, the different, you know, the different battalions were yeah. and um, bomb groups, really. Right. Yeah. And um, so that's a really cool thing for people to use. Um, hey, Jimmy Stewart was part of this. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but where I mean did they create like a, a little like here in the states when you go to military uh bases it's like its own city they have a commissary they mm -hmm. have restaurants i mean they even have yeah. mcdonald's and stuff on them and yeah, then they have their own housing so and then there's housing yeah. on the outside and yeah. schools um yeah. and so what was it like then suddenly having a small village like maybe 100 200 people and suddenly here comes thousands of people and yeah. here comes the airfields need to be built we're going to change the land but everybody it was for the greater good, right? So everybody was exactly. on that. We're going to do whatever yeah. we can do. But where yes. did people stay? I mean, you didn't have like you know the Hyatt Hotel at that point. <laughs> no. What what actually happened was they they came to an area. They built first of all they built the perimeter track, which is the track that goes all the way around the airfield. And mm. to do that, they obviously needed some accommodation. And they, they started off by having these Nissan huts, which could be put up in a day. It's basically mm. a, a piece of um, corrugated iron like that with mm -hmm. a brick this end and brick that end. So you've got a tube, you know, you've got a tube mm. like that. And they just put them up as accommodation. So it was just very, very basic. So they would build the Nissan huts and then they mm. would bring the men in to build the airfield itself. And then they would build brick built um, accommodation blocks. To start off with, they built the accommodation blocks near the airfield. And then they realized that they were putting the personnel at risk. So they then dispersed the accommodation blocks into the community. So for instance, at 
Wendling, which is where my son-in-law farms, um, the airfield is in the middle of a field, but most of the accommodation was in the village of Beeston, which is next door. It's another village. So they were like half a mile, a mile up the road is where most mm. of the personnel were living. So it was, mm. you know, if the airfield was attacked, you wouldn't kill all the men. You might lose a few, obviously, and you might lose the runway and you might lose a few aircraft, but you wouldn't lose all your men because they were a mile up the road. Okay. So, although mm. it was it was a very, very quick thing. I mean, when you imagine how much work mm. was going on, it was a, an unimaginable project to get this all done in time, but it was done so quickly and everything was just thrown up. But mm. they were actually quite good quality buildings because some of these hangars are still in use today. I could take you to a dozen hangars that are still used. A lot of the buildings mm. are still used today. Um, mm. I, again, I could take you to um, two dozen of Second World War American buildings that are still standing, wow. still used. And, and again, like I've shown in my pictures, there are loads of them that are just standing, falling down in, oh. in walks and, you know. It's just amazing how much is still there. You know, the, the mm. control towers, a lot of them are still just standing in the middle of a field. Oh, you know? wow. Unbelievable. That's amazing mm. to think and how fast, you know, because mm. in this kind of, and it's not like how we can just call someone on a cell phone or send a text or a Facebook message, right? So the communication back then too, I mean, it's just got to think about what there, we had like versus horseback the mail system which could take well tell didn't they have telegraphs then telegrams oh yeah telegraphs, yeah they, they, would have done. And they had they had trains and they had lorries mm -hmm. um yeah. or trucks whatever you want to call them but can you know can you imagine mm. having to build 20 30 40 airfields complete mm. airfields not but not just a runway a whole airfield and right. multiply that multiply that by 20 30 40 yeah, that is a lot of oh. logistics. And That's then they have to bring the plant the planes over from America, or did you guys have planes for the Americans? Well, we did have oh, no. some, but actually the Americans brought all theirs with them. All the liberators wow. and you know everything. Yeah. You got the liberator over. behind you. I yeah. have, yeah. This this one's in, in Duxford Museum, which is a fantastic mm. air museum. It's all about the air and, and the army as well. Uh, just outside Cambridge. Absolutely fantastic. It's got any sort of American. In fact, when I was there with a Second World War Liberator pilot, amazing. Wow. 93 he was. He was running oh. around like a, like a spring chicken he was. He put me to shame. I took him to Duxford. And as we were standing by the runway, um, you know the Memphis Bell, the aeroplane that was mm -hmm. in the film? Yeah they were getting that ready to take off because it was then mm. going off to a, an air show. And he used to fly them as well as these liberators. Oh, oh wow. Wow. And he was he was telling me what they were doing in the cockpit. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. wow. Amazing is that. Eh? Oh, that's still, awesome. Still sends shivers up the back of my neck. Yeah. I bet. You know, it, it's interesting because it ties, you know, I think about World War One is when we started having 
actual air combat, yeah. you yeah. know, and in America, it was the Yale students. I think you were on that one interview that we did. Um, oh, boy, I'll have to look it up again. But I think it was Hardwick or something. I think. Yeah, Hardwick um, is on that. Yeah. Yeah, that they, they, there were a group of students in Yale who said, well, we're going to start flying. That's one way to take these suckers out is go out. And this was World War One. And mm -hmm. they started, they used the coast of Florida. And I think they came over to England. So it was kind of like, world. did World War One help World War Two? like help the airfields, help them know what to do for the airfields, like from the beginnings? Well, because World War One, it was just like, it. they didn't even yeah. start with air. Uh, air attacks in 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 World War One, they mainly had grass airfields, so mm -hmm. they didn't need the great big runways because they didn't have the great big aircraft. But mm -hmm. it it sort of put things into place because they knew roughly what they were doing. And really, with World War Two, if you think about what the situation was at the start of World War Two, think how quickly aircraft developed over those six years it's unbelievable Amazing. how quickly they grew and how the knowledge grew and how they had to adapt because when they first started airfields were you know a certain size but then when the bigger aircraft came along which they did yeah. they then had to make the runways longer because they weren't long enough for the aircraft to take off and, mm -hmm. and all of this happened within six years well six mm -hmm. years is is a tiny amount of time and the development mm. of aircraft over that time is just unbelievable i mean world war ii started with sort of propellers yeah and at the end of it the jet aircraft was was starting to it didn't yeah. into action but it was starting to be developed you know mm. unbelievable the speed of development in aircraft mm. technology you know it really is and now look that it, that went faster than the development of the of the airstrips and air landing places and airports. The planes were way ahead of the well, airports. But you see, so many way airports are now on what were airfields because mm -hmm. Norwich Airport used to be an airfield, Heathrow mm -hmm. Airport used to be an airfield. Oh wow! Oh wow! I you didn't know, know that. So, a lot, a lot of these World War II airfields are now our airports because the infrastructure is is there. You know, yeah. Norwich, like I say, Norwich Airport used to be <clears throat> a World War II airfield. Oh wow! Wow. So when mm. you go, I mean, you can go to some of. The, you said like, I mean, it's you've got your museums, but then if you want to go, like, say, I've got family, and who knows, maybe we do. You know. Never know. Everyone, you got to look at that list on Glenn's yeah, article. You never know. And, and just so you know, um, Glenn's article is linked from the show notes. Um, but when you look at that list and maybe, you know, see if you see anything that connects to your family, research it. But um, and someone calls you up and says, hey, Glenn, I saw, you know, this bomb group and, you know, I had a great great grandfather or something that was in there. I want to go visit. I mean, it's not like they're all museums, right? So What's the experience like for someone wanting to do it? Can you take him to where it once was or, you know, yep. here's Heathrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, gen generally speaking, <laughs> most airfields are not open to the public because they're on farmland. I mean, the one over your shoulder 
you can just see the the cross of the of the two runways um, mm -hmm. that is in the middle of farmland. So that's on private property. Um, but 99% of farmers who own property, which includes an old airfield, will be more than pleased to allow people on, you know, who are connected. I mean, like I said, my son-in-law farms on what used to be an airfield, and he is thrilled to bits if someone contacts him, obviously normally through me, and says, can I visit and have a look? They're thrilled to sure. bits. I mean, the other, oh, several years ago now, I think, I, had, I contacted somebody on one of the Facebook pages for the 8th Air Force, and he said that his uncle, I think it was, actually served on my son-in-law's airfield. Wow. And, and he said, do you think you could send me a piece of the runway? So I said to my son-in-law, can I nick a piece of concrete? And he was thrilled. He was thrilled to be. Yeah, but but you know who goes around saying, "Can I nick a piece of concrete?" I like that. Yeah, really, that's so funny. He, he was he was thrilled to bits that this person was interested enough. And so I sent him a yeah. piece, a piece of the tarmac. Yeah. From the actual runway, you know, because that's that part, is of, part it. of his family history. You know, obviously, if we can't let everybody come and steal a piece of concrete but you no, know but, what I mean. but this is how this is how history lives on yes it's by people remembering or honoring or checking out who their ancestors were yes yeah. and what and they also, did and why they did that you know and who where do you come from who are also, your it also perpetuates it to the younger generation. I mean, my son-in-law is yeah. only, is he, he's 36. So obviously mm. he's, he's got no, no nor have I. I haven't got any memory of the Second World War. But, yeah. you know, it brings it home to him that mm -hmm. his farm was home yeah. to a lot of Americans and his, his farm was home to a lot of Americans who never went home again. Yeah, that's something. I, I was going to ask you that. You know, this is so much history there, and if if people can't, I know you. You know, you've got Norfolk tours. You take people around, and like someone says, "Hey, I've got my family history," and you'll take them to all those and help them research it, and yeah. go to the church, the the cemetery, maybe you know where they the old house they lived in or whatever it is with their ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the airfield, so if someone says, "Hey," You know, I know there's this airfield. Will you help them like make contact with the farmer or you help set up? Hey, I'm going to take you to this yeah. airfield. Yeah. But I, what I, happens I, I, if I what happens if someone doesn't or is unable to travel? Because some people are still scared to, depending on their age and, and health, um, and even finances, right? So are you able, do you ever, you know, just help people with family history? And help them oh do the research since you're so connected and you know family history like the back of your hand, you know. So yeah, I, can I, you help I, them just on that that capacity? Yes, of course. I, I I do often help people with family history on its own. And and obviously, if you're in America and you've got a connection with, we'll say, Hardwick Airfield, I can go to Hardwick Airfield and video Hardwick Airfield. You know, mm. I can so I can actually go there for you and have a look round and show you all around the airfield as mm. if you were there. Obviously, you're not there, mm. but I can I can take photos of the buildings. I can video and show you around whatever's in the countryside. Mm. And you know, 
do the next best thing. But, you know, it, it is it is important if you can to come over because you then get the connection. Get the real set and you're stepping mm. there. And if and if you're there, make sure you tell Glenn to take his pick so he can nick a piece of concrete. <laughs> well, there's, and there's always when you go somewhere, there's always that I was like, think of it as your sixth sense where mm -hmm. you get that feeling. Yes. You know, and you I mean, can't really you it, just it, get it, a feeling. It is all about the the atmosphere, the the connection. You know, yeah. you cannot get a connection if you're not there. Yeah. But, but you know, I know there are a lot of people who can't. <clears throat> and I I have done this. I mean, I remember it was this is a lot of years ago, but this lady con contacted me and said, you know, can you take a load of photos of this village? And, and I mm. took that was at the time when you still had films. Um, so I took mm. two whole films of photos of this this particular village for her oh, cool. um, because she couldn't travel. But, mm. you know, that was what she wanted. And that was I was thrilled to bits to do it for her. But yeah. you know, there is nothing like visiting. I mean, it's like when I went yeah. to when I went to Halifax in Nova Scotia, mm. where my ancestor had been mm. in 1815, I had that feeling that of feeling, I yeah. Was, I was where he was. You know, mm. he came back to England after that. Or, you know, or I wouldn't have mm. been here. <laughs> but you know, yeah. he'd he'd been there. I got mm. there by aeroplane, but he got there by boat. That's you know? crazy, man. And it's crazy. Again. Yeah. Wait, but it's you amazing. Know also interesting like you know when we talk about ships and boats and air you know transportation history and then in wars oh, what i'm finding now is like you're seeing a lot of people doing cruises like river cruises on barges like yeah. these ancient like so now in norfolk you've got the canals that's something people can do like on a little boat what do you call it is it you don't have the the broads excuse me the broads no not, not women Norfolk. Norfolk Broads we got, yeah. Yeah. Nancy, it sounds like the movie we watched last night. Nobody needs to see that. It sounds like no. a casino, the Norfolk no, and that's Yeah, but but it's beautiful. Yes. So are when people go, are, do you have like historic boats that people can float on the mm. on the broads? We do. We, we have. In fact, I had a, a lady over from Australia who was writing a novel about medieval um, monasteries and actually oh. this monastery wow. was, that was in the middle of the broads um, was only accessible by boats in medieval oh. times and now you can drive to it but it's down a dirt track you know so the easiest way to get to it really is by boat so what I did is I arranged that we would go on a little 1930s sailing boat and we would sail oh. along the broads so she would get oh. an idea for her her novel because a writer needs that yeah the visuals and and she she was thrilled to bits that we were sailing yeah. so she got the sound of the water the sound of the yeah. sail you know all cool. of that and the best thing she said which is really funny it absolutely poured with rain we yeah. were both drenched through to our underwear and she was thrilled because she said she she couldn't have got that without going out on the water 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Got that to put in her book. You know, yeah. because, I want to read her book now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, the medieval monk who would have got soaked. You know, that is something that yeah. she she felt because she was there on a on an old sailing boat. Mm. You know, and so she you knows know. what it feels like. So mm-hmm. and it's hard to write. It's hard to write about something, even if you're writing fiction, um, to write about something that you've never experienced. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you it's know, fiction, but it's still something that really happened. You know, if you're gonna be yeah, accurate. So so you, but do you have to know the basic feels of wind and rain and exactly. uh she, you know she the star she said that she couldn't have wanted anything better than to get completely cool. French. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. Nancy and I do that often. No, no. Yeah. Can you hire someone to to sail the boat for you? Yeah, because yeah, because you don't want me doing that. I, like, I oh, didn't. No. I can't. I can't sail. We had a go. Okay. Both of us. Both of us had a go. But oh, no, cool. we, had, we had someone sailing it for us. Okay. Well, they they let you play with the rudder. No, no, no. We had to go at um, tacking. Was it calling tacking? Oh, going up oh, and down wow. the river. Yeah, it was great. Playing fun. with the sails then. Yeah, well, what yeah. about when Hyacinth Bouquet went out in the keeping oh, up appearance so and she funny. went overboard? So I haven't seen Remember? that. Oh, I, oh. oh, you haven't seen? I'm going to look that up. Everyone, yeah, okay. Hyacinth That's Bouquet funny. from Are You Being Served? No, not Are You Being Served, Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah, yeah up goes appear- out on a boat with Richard. Um, Richard. And, and it's this little boat and she went overboard and it was the yeah, best so hyacinth over uh, overboard is fantastic but but that, mm. i wanted to get into that history because like i know we've talked about historic ships before you've yes. obviously you said this museum here has you know the liberator but so what yes. happens to obviously those who were shot down and the planes were shot down sadly mm. then you know um they're resting hopefully in peace but what happens you know, because in this country, we have a lot of uh, boneyards, um, military planes where you can go see the historic planes. Some of them get sold to, to the enemies. <laughs> that, like there's planes. I know from Mike Guardia being on the show, he's like, well, the F-14 went to Russia, then Iran and, you know, places we would go like, what? How did that happen? And yeah, um, really. I may have the wrong plane just to say, don't, don't, don't come after me on that. I'm not the expert. But I know that they swap hands between countries. So I'm yes. curious about here's these airfields. Do any of the airfields even have an actual plane there, like the remnants of one? Or um, I'm trying to think. I mean, yes, I mean, there's one airfield. Um, I, th- I think it was Thorpe Abbotts. They've got a lovely museum at Thorpe Abbotts. I think. It, oh, I see. think. Yeah. If I remember rightly, I think Thorpe Abbotts was the hundredth bomb bomb group. Let me have a look. Yeah, it was. Well, my brain works. Oh, you go. Yeah. A hundredth bomb group. They've got a fantastic museum, and I think it's Thorpe Abbotts. And they've got quite a few of the sort of crashed aircraft, little bits, and also mm. bits of aircraft that they've dug up in excavations. And they've mm. also got, you know, um, reconstructions of different parts of the buildings. And they've got the control tower, which is, you know, oh, wow there you know so i mean a lot of these airfields have got things that are there still from the war um mm. but really if you want to see the sort of a the full collection of aircraft duxford is actually the place to go because they have 
you know, the Spitfire, the Hurricane, they have the, the, the Lancaster, they have all the American aircraft, all of the American aircraft, um, because, oh, wow. you know, it is the actual building that that one is in is full of American aircraft. Oh, wow. Um, and also they have a lot mm. of them that fly. I mean, you can mm. even you can even have a flight in a Spitfire if you want. Mm. I'm going to run that. You know, wow. so, so, you know, there, there are. I want to be on a Spitfire. Well, I can arrange it. I can arrange I it. I want it. I want, you know, but, and, and I bring this up because we were um, going up the coast of California last year, around this yeah. time, uh, earlier, and we were in Crescent City, which is known for having a tsunami hit them, right? Yeah. But every 20 what, years. What I'd forgotten, so. we'd been so all over this country, you know, and, and, Having even, you know, lived in Southern California, been up Northern California, but all these interviews with you and history experts have gotten in my brain and it just dawned on me when we were there. So they have all up the Northern coast, so much World War II history because of the nuclear, like, there's nuclear history, obviously Pearl Harbor. So that was the, the launching pad mm -hmm. there, right? Um, for the Pacific theater. And so going up there and now having more knowledge in my head, I was like, oh my gosh. And they're having these, all these memorials. And then the one memorial had a piece of submarine that had obviously been blown up or something. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I can't, I can't even put into words what that felt like to stand there and go, mm -hmm. you know, somebody was underwater in this submarine oh, and something was... went down. And so here they managed to salvage this piece of floating piece of metal mm -hmm. that if you just saw it, if I saw a floating piece of metal in the water, I'd go like, dude, it's a floating piece of metal. What was that? You know, but it turns out it's a submarine from World War II. And, you know, some of the stories we've got for, for this weekend's uh, broadcast on Memorial Day is how ships were blown up. We, we blew mm -hmm. up our own ships unknowingly, you know. I'm not meaning to. And so I was like, I want to know what happened to the submarine. So now, you know what, I'm have, I'm going to have to do something on the submarine. But yeah. it's in our park. And so what is, that's the thing. When you see something like that, you can only imagine what the men went through in a yeah. submarine. I mean, come on. That's some scary stuff. The submarine just thing. The idea of going down and saying like okay if you go on the submarine ride you pay a few dollars and they take you down for an hour or two and you see fish and you come back up that's one thing but to go live on a submarine with a bunch mm -hmm. of people that you don't really know for day in and day out day in and day out well look at the cuban missile crisis and, yeah and traveling to countries that you don't normally go to and to be part of warfare. I mean, it's amazing that that yeah. people came out of that alive and still sane. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think what you've just said has hit the nail on the head. Sane. How yeah. how can you how can you go through something like that mm -hmm. and get through it? You know, these yeah. young, I mean, this, this, this bloke who came over with his daughter, he was 93 and he used mm. to fly the Liberators and, mm. you know, loads of other aircraft, obviously. He was only 19 when he started. 
you know too young and and how how did he go through all of that you know he lost people you know he he lost yeah. his his we actually went to my son-in-law's farm because although he was stationed at Shibdom, which is mm. just up the road from me his cousin was actually sta stationed at Wendling which is where my son-in-law is and he he lost his cousin who was stationed at Wendling Oh, so we went mm -hmm. we went to Wendling and had a look around, obviously, and we went to the war memorial at Wendling because all of these airfields have got their own memorials, all of them. Yeah. You know, that is one thing that every airfield has got its own memorial to the men who got. Oh, that's awesome, though. But, you know, to think that he was over here all this way mm -hmm. from his homeland and yeah. he was only a kid, for God's sake, 19. Yeah. You know, 19 is uh, too young and he, he lost he lost his cousin over here you know he said he remember biking over from Shibdom to Wendling which is a few miles to see his cousin um and you know his cousin didn't come back from the war but it's it's this isn't it it's this mm -hmm. this, this mental what, how much can you see that is repulsive and against every thing you believe in mm -hmm. and and come out okay yeah i mean if you, you've got to think about all of the people i mean for instance i've, I've got one lot of figures there again about thorpe abbots there were mm -hmm. 306 missions um mm -hmm. they lost 229 planes wow. and they had 785 men killed or missing in action Wow. And that is only one of the airfields in Norfolk. And that's only one. Wow. And they had wow. 894 who were taken as prisoners of war from oh, that airfield. You know, so the morning when they have the get together and they say, right, we're not going to fly to such a place and drop some bombs. The next day they come back and say, well, where's where's Fred? Oh, I don't know. Where's John? Don't know. Where's, mm. you know, yeah. can you imagine, can you imagine getting up in the morning and not knowing whether you're going to come home at night? Yeah. Yeah. And your friends are in it together and you're, you save each other's lives, you know, um, you know, and, and I encourage everyone to listen to our new weekly blend show on yeah. Sunday morning, uh, the day after our interview with Glenn within hours and listen to one of our friends, um, stories of his great-grandfather very heroic story um absolutely incredible isn't it nancy mike dunmire's mm. story yeah. of his great-grandfather mm. and so i can't share it with you now because you have to hear it when it comes out but you know that's the thing you go to these places that are so important you know with us when we started our love your parks tour across america mm. doing mostly national park units our national park service with the monuments they do so much on military oh, history battlefields oh going on a battlefield is so uh, it's, it's hard. Emotional. It's hard, but in, but important. But what we found, and we have to make this map still, Nancy, our memorial park map, and we have uh, military centers we've been to are truly. I don't know if the word is humbling, but you just you you just feel. I think that's a word for it. You just feel, wow. You you do feel small, in there, yeah. like, you know, it, it, um, it, and it, honor. It, it brings it, it more real. alive that if you go to one of these places and you yeah. visit it brings it more alive than 
only reading about it. It is important to read about it and to know about it. Absolutely. But I really believe, you know, I, I was just thinking about when I was a kid and we went on field trips through school. Did we go to any field trips that would prepare you or bring you um, close to the war? No, we did not. Okay. We went fun places. Now I'm looking back and I get it to a certain degree because we were only kids. But I also feel like um, that memorial um, monuments and centers should be part of field trips mm -hmm. for students so that they can actually, because when you actually physically go to a memorial, you start to feel something and then you start to question and the and they do a really good job in giving you the history mm -hmm. right there so you can understand what's happening and then then you get an interest in history mm -hmm. and at some point you'll put it all together it's all about putting it all into context yeah you put it all together I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's what I, I do um, with mm -hmm. the local primary school as we walk into the village and uh -huh. we, we look at different things. You know, we look at the houses, we look at the church, we look at the streets, we look at how the fields are laid out. And then we come back and we talk about it and we learn about why why is the field that shape? You know, why does mm. the road go from there to ah, there? You know, yeah. All of those sort of things then the children start to actually question what they're seeing because it's all well and good yeah. looking at a field or looking at why is there a tree in the middle of that field well actually mm. when we walk across the field on the footpath we then realize if we look at an old map that's where the field boundary used to go because there used to be a hedge across there mm -hmm. and then when they ah. made, when they made a great big field out of it they kept the tree in the middle but the tree is there because that's where there used to be a field boundary. And, and all of these sorts of things then make the children think, oh, well, that's why that's there. Well, I wonder why that's over there. Mm -hmm. And it's all about putting things into context. Hmm. And then you can Absolutely. then appreciate things and you can understand. And then you, like Lisa's already said, she wants to research that um, submarine. submarine. It then makes you want to do things because you yeah. want you want to put that piece of metal in context mm. with the submarine. And you want to know. And think about who were the men in that submarine? You know, what did mm -hmm. they go through? Where did right. they come from? You know, I mean, I, I've sent some pictures to go along with the article of some, some metal tags. And these mm. metal tags have just been plowed up on the farm. They've just been plowed up and oh. the, the, the farmer has wow. kept them. And actually, they belonged to people who served at Wendling during the Second World War. Wow. And they would have been hung on the board inside the hangar so that whoever came into the hangar would know who was on duty. Now, those people are real people. And I've already yeah. carried a load of research about them. But I'd love to know more about them. I'd love to have a photo of them. You know, yeah. One of, one, of them, yeah. one of them only died in 2002. So there oh, must wow. be a picture of him. You know, so it's them sort of things that is all about putting history into real life. Putting it, and everyone yeah. has a story, right? And that's the thing. 
there's always a story behind everything. And, you know, when, exactly. when I remember going to that park, um, it was a community park. And that's what I think is so great about cities doing memorials to those who served from their country or those visiting, like, you know, what you're talking about, the memorials for the Americans that, you know, worked with England on this. And when you're there, it, it it's just sombering, you know, it's this beautiful park, beauty, grassy fields for kids to wow. play in, swings, flowers, a beautiful ocean view, you know, but then they have the different, you know, military memorials um and then you know then these there's the flag now everybody's got their thing about flags these days and whatever i'm not getting political about it but there was something about a flag flying and the symbol or having you know we've been to so many memorials there's that one in angel fire new mexico yeah, uh, yeah. for david westfall um and they have you know bronze sculptures of vietnam soldiers and with their you know machinery and heli the actual helicopters and things. And when you see these things or the piece of submarine, it's just really like I say, humbling, overwhelming, but there's something that goes through your body with the flag just flying as well. There's just something about that um, that you just, I think people should kind of go back to feeling those things. Well, I don't you know, think and, they and getting those, just they, having those emotions, take the stop out, like, Memorial Weekend mm -hmm. here, we are honoring our military, should be something integrity, not, Let's, hey, come buy a couch for 50% off, which has become yeah, a big they, sales it, thing. And it's also uh, become a thing okay. of, when are we going to barbecue? Right. It's the unofficial start to summer. So I just kind of, I get it, but I, I, I just kind of feel like if we go to these mm -hmm. places, well, we will and have to just take those moments, some moments of silence to think about those at the memorial. You don't need, you know, the politicians or presidents and prime ministers and kings, queens, whatever it all is to say, okay, now we all have a collective community memorial, you know, moment of silence. I think it's a good thing to, it's educational and gets people to do something, but just go there and think about who this was, like what Glenn was saying, maybe research it later, but just have that, you just even think about them. You can imagine who they are. Make up your own story. Yeah, it'll give you that feeling, well, and maybe we'll calm down as human beings. You know, and be but nicer. you know, like when we look at Memorial Day, I don't know how many families isn't in some way between themselves now and their ancestors touched by someone who hasn't served or died in yeah. action, um, yeah. and, and maybe remembered. Everybody. Yeah, maybe yeah. remember them. When when I was um, just outside Cambridge last year, I went to Maddingley. Uh, if you look it up, it's, it's Maddingley, just outside Cambridge. And that is the American World War II cemetery. And oh. that, is where, that is where all the American servicemen who were returned to England um, are buried. And, and it is... Um, an amazing, heart-rending, you know, it just is a massive cemetery. Mm. And it is, it is beautiful in its own way. Um, but that's just outside Cambridge. And that, that is uh, just for American servicemen who died during the Second World War. Um, so, you know, there are lots and lots of memorials, but mm. Maddingley is actually where most of them are actually buried. 
Um, You know, that is a place to go. And Mm. it is immaculate. Absolutely Mm. beautiful. Uh, It's like the... It's like all the graveyards in Normandy, you know. I've been to the to several mm. of the graveyards in Normandy, and they they are just amazing. But again, they're amazing, but it's just heartrending to just see just a whole field of white stones. Right. All Isn't people, it? Just people, you know. Mm-hmm. All of those people, you know, and that is just. What did they die for? You know, mm. when you look at it today, you think when they, if they could come back today, would they think it was worth it? I don't know. Mm. I know. I think that's why it's so important to get the stories while we can, you know, um, like Mike Guardia, what he does with his books, um, telling the stories of and not everybody that's the famous people either, you know, no. No, no, getting no. the family story, the human story behind, you know, what happens with those who serve and sacrifice their lives so i really appreciate it but glenn thank you so much i think nancy's hopefully coming back she's having a it's pollen is flying everywhere there's a gardener outside doing stuff and both of us are dying from pollen so it's it's you know it's the sign of spring so she'll come back to life at some point (laughs) but but thank you so much glenn again everyone glenn's article is up on blendradioandtv.com but we have it linked in the show notes from whether you're watching this on YouTube and seeing Nancy cough herself silly, <laughs> or if you're listening uh, on Spotify or, or bigblendradio.com, it's all in the show notes. But of course, more importantly, go to norfolk-tours.co.uk to keep up with Glenn there. He's also on Facebook and Twitter. So thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks, girls. See you later.